Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode of The Funny Thing About Yoga. It's Bradshaw. And Gianna. And today we're going to be answering some questions that we received from our listeners, which are plentiful because people are obsessed with the podcast and they're obsessed with us. <laughs> and the questions just keep pouring in. It's overwhelming. I can't, it's like I, I don't even have time to look, look through other questions. Um, so <laughs> I do. Yeah, Gianna um, but, does because I, I I'm like, where are we getting questions? She's like, literally, people are sending to, sending them to us, and I was like, okay. Yeah, and we're gonna do these bonus episodes just once a month. So if you haven't submitted a question and you want to, it's not too late. Go to our website, kayayogaschool.com/podcast. It's all there. Yeah, it's been really uh, exciting to kind of well, one, know that people are listening, and two, to hear what our listeners uh, have questions about. So we're excited to hopefully give you some insight into three of the questions that we received today. And Gianna is going to take over the first question we have, which was. All right. So I'm going to play these. We've got permission from everyone who submitted and let's hear it. What is the deal with the term sits bones? I once shared a class with a woman who insisted that sits bones is not a real term and that if anyone were to use it, it should be sit bones. Where does sits bones come from and why is it so popular among yoga teachers? Thank you. Okay, so that question comes from Jess Galley. I hope I'm saying that right. And I really like that question because I think that teachers say sit or sits bones a lot. Like I'm sure if you're listening to this and you take a lot of yoga classes, you've heard it a number of times. I just want to say first and and foremost that whoever told Jess that it is wrong, that sits bones is wrong. And then it's just sits bones. They're wrong. (laughs) It could be either. And both terms sit bones or sits bones is just a nickname for the more technical anatomy term, which is the ischial tuberosity. So sit bones, because we sit on our butt, that's the English. Sitz bones, spelled with a Z, comes from the German word sitzen, which is also to sit. So these are the bones at the lowermost portion of your pelvis that is the ischial tuberosity. So if you were to literally take your hand to your glute and try to feel for that like bony nodule, that is the bone that is referred to as the sit bones or the sit, the sits bones, the sit bones, the sitting bones, or if you wanted to be really annoying, the ischial tuberosity. Do you want to share anything, Bradshaw, about like, why do we reference sits bones? Like, like, why do we point out that part of the body? Um, The way that I use that area of the body is like, 
Sometimes people can think like I use it when I use like hit when I say hips with distance apart, because I think depending on the body, like that's can be people can take that into different. Uh, they take that differently in their bodies when I say hips with like people take their mm-hmm. feet really wide or really narrow. So I just say feel the the sit bones, those bones underneath your butt and then align your heels with those bones. So mm-hmm. I do that a lot. And like if I'm doing chair with the feet not together, um, Personally, to be honest, I don't refer to the sits bones uh, a lot at all. Yeah, it, it. And I'm not. It's not bad to. It's just like it's something in my cueing in my vernacular that it's not something that I uh, incorporate a lot. I think a lot of teachers will use sits bones when cueing seated postures. And yeah, and I don't teach a lot of seated postures. You don't. You don't teach yeah. a lot of seated postures. But essentially. You might have heard like remove the flesh from your sits bones, which is a whole other topic. But what what the intent is, is to feel your weight stacked over your hips. Mm -hmm. So to feel head, shoulders, pelvis all in alignment. Totally. And to go back to the second part of your question about why it's so popular among yoga teachers, I'm going to take a guess that it is really part of the foundations of the yoga practice. And what I mean by this is yoga asana have a long dated history. Uh, The first depictions of seated postures comes from the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. And those seated postures are meant to set you up for pranayama and other deeper forms of meditation, the other limbs of yoga, you know, pratyahara, withdrawing of senses, dharana, focus, concentration, Mm -hmm. dhyana, that meditative absorption, and then samadhi, your enlightenment, your bliss, or however else you want to interpret it. So now I'm like contextualizing this a little bit, but the the seated position is some of the first depictions of yoga. And so getting comfortable in a seat is super important and setting up your alignment of having your spine in its natural curvature in the seat so that you can hold it for those other things to happen is really important. Now, I think a lot of that has been lost along the way. Um, That's a whole other story, but getting comfortable in a seat and being able to sit with good posture is important. And it's important that you kind of um, have your sits bones grounded and serve as the foundation for the seat and have the spinal column build up from there. You always want your weight stacked where the foundation is sturdy. I I think of this in like every pose, like architecture, Mm -hmm. you need your support beams where you're weight bearing. I just totally went on a tangent. Now, whether or not to remove the flesh from your sits bones is totally debatable. And I, we're not going to get into that. Yeah, we could get into that another time. All right. And what is the next question we have? Okay. So I'm going to play our next question. This is really exciting. Hi, Gianna and Bradshaw. This is Tara. Um, I'm loving the podcast so far, and I'm really excited that you guys are taking the time to do this. It's informative and also super fun to listen to you and your dynamic. Um, my question is about teaching yoga to 
folks who don't traditionally practice yoga. Um, I'm thinking specifically about um, people who have disabilities. So my brother um, is developmentally disabled, and I'm wondering if you've ever come across any classes for people who have developmental disabilities. Um, If not, do you think that there is an opportunity to teach yoga to that specific audience. Um, would love to hear your thoughts. Um, have an awesome podcast. Well, first of all, Tara, we love you. Tara took her 200 hour training and she is a lovely person inside and outside of zoom. And we love her to pieces. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for the question. Yeah. Thank you for the question. You know, I am always hesitant to talk about things that I don't have a lot of knowledge within. And my scope within this specific topic is very, very, very minimal. So I'm, uh, Gianna and Gianna and I spoke about this prior to this recording as we were listening to some of these questions. My thought is there can absolutely be yoga classes for any group of people. Mm -hmm. I just think that the people that should be teaching those classes are people that have expertise within, um, the, within this realm, uh, of work. And then on top of that, also being a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. And, um, I think with, with teaching to various populations, whether it is developmentally disabled or children's yoga or people, I know, I know some people who teach, you know, yoga for people who are undergoing cancer treatments. Mm -hmm. So whatever population you're going to teach yoga to just remember to stay within your scope of practice. Totally. I agree with Bradshaw, you need to have an understanding of what those folks need. And you'll have to adapt your teaching to that. Mm -hmm. Do your research and try to meet your demographic where they're at. So this might mean that you change the way you teach in this setting so that you can adapt it to the needs of your audience. Mm So that means you need, you need to let go of some of your expectations about the class and change the structure. Mm -hmm. You need to customize it and take what you know, take the feedback that you're getting in front of your face while teaching and use that to support the people you're teaching to. I think that's really, really important. That's a really good point, Jenna. So it's like your, the thing that has to be the most adaptable is the structure of the class. Yeah, you have to be adaptable. You're going to want to tailor this specifically to what you're seeing. So if you're trying something out and it's not working, be prepared to improvise and change what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have all of your research done, you can have a plan, but you also have to know how to meet your students where they're at and support Mm -hmm. them in doing so. And I think that working one-on-one is the way to go in this scenario, Mm -hmm. Um, just because it's so hard to cater to a group as it is in our studio classes. We know that it's, um, there's never like a one size fits all or in all levels is never truly in all levels. Totally. 
without going too much further into that and answering your question more directly and taking your brother as an example, because you know your brother so well, and because you teach yoga, or you at least took our 200 hour training and know how to teach yoga, I would use your personal knowledge of like yeah. what your brother responds to and how he would learn best if you're going to give him privates. And the fact that you are close with him allows you to do that a little bit better than like, you know, me walking into a random room with people that I've never met mm. before. I think I, one more thing to add on to this. I mean, now I'm like, we could talk about this forever, but I think that another thing to consider is you only know something from trying. So you have an expertise in a field, you become a yoga teacher, you're teaching to the specific population, you use the tools that you know, and you figure out what works and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Like you may sit down and be like, this is going to be a half an hour class. And you're like, actually, that's too long or it's too short. Or yeah. I need to adjust how I'm beginning or ending the class, whatever it is. All of that just comes from practice mm -hmm. and from like seeing your students and seeing the room that, you know, no matter who they are um, mm -hmm. and what they respond to. So I think that there should never be a fear of failure, always kind of going into the classroom with a, a sense of exploration and uh, being inquisitive. Bradshaw and I spoke about, you know, the many different styles of yoga in episode two. And I know we primarily teach vinyasa and our 200 hours, primarily vinyasa, but when, when teaching different demographics yoga, I would also open your mind to the style of yoga that would suit that, that demographic Very best, because yeah. I don't think vinyasa is going to be suited for everybody. Actually, I know vinyasa is not suited for everybody. Mm -hmm. Totally. So speaking as a yoga teacher and staying within my scope, there are still things you can do um, to serve this demographic. You can change your language, make it simple. You could demo the class. You can teach a more suitable structured class. You can be open-minded. You could let it be conversational. You can go and get more specialized training. So I haven't seen training specifically for developmentally disabled people, but there are accessible yoga trainings that you will still be able to take a lot from. Look at um, Jeevana Heyman's training, accessibleyoga.org. He's a really great person to follow. I love watching his um, Instagram reels. But yeah, there's so much here. The simple answer to your question is yes, yes, yes. You can teach yoga to anybody. And to close it out, Tara, we're obsessed with you and we love you. We can't wait to see you in Joshua Tree. Oh yeah. Sold out, by the way. No big deal. <laughs> okay. What a, okay. And then we have one more, right? Jean? Yeah. One final question. I think you're going to love this one, Bradshaw. Hey, Gianna and Bradshaw, thanks for taking my question. I own a gym. It's not a yoga studio, but we do offer yoga classes. And sometimes we have students come in and they're on their phones during the class. So how do you suggest handling that situation and just moving forward so that it's not a distraction for everyone? Thanks so much for answering my question. Yeah, I, I think I can definitely answer this question. You may be shocked, Gianna, but I have many opinions about this. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Not shocked at all. Not shocked at all. What I've been doing, because uh, I had someone that was literally texting in Pigeon in my class last week, like literally texting in Pigeon. And uh, I 
was like, I feel like every couple of months, this is something that I have to kind of say. And I just am very, very transparent about it. I'm like, why? I was like, at the beginning of, at the beginning of class, before these classes start, I say, hey, I just want to say yoga. I tell them what we're doing in class because that's usually what I do. And then I say, just a yoga PSA, please do not be on your phones and your watches. I'm like, this is not the time or place. Give yourself one hour. Seriously. Seriously to like not be on your phone. I'm like, it. I'm like, I said, I'm like, I literally had someone fucking texting in pigeon and I'm like, what is going on? And when you kind of put like, again, we do things very, very differently. I approach things um, sometimes a little, a little crass and some humor. <laughs> That's just how I've always operated. Um, and shocking. people shocking. I know, um, at least, you know, I, I sense that most of the time people respond to that, but I, I, I have no, if someone's like, if they are getting offended because I said to be off your phone, I don't care. I don't want them in my class. I don't want someone who's going to be on my phone in my <laughs> class. If you're going to be on your phone, texting in my class, don't like, why are you like, honestly though? And I know yeah. I, I'm, you know, you may be listening to this, but like, he sounds like an asshole. I don't care. It is rude. It is rude to the teacher. It is rude to the other people in class recording yourself in class. That's a whole other thing. You mm -hmm. have no consent for the people around you while you're recording yourself in the front of the room and you have four bodies behind you that don't want to be recorded. That is completely inappropriate. Yeah. So for me, that's, I nip it in the bud like that. And also I've had people come up to me after class and thank me. Yeah literally thank me saying thank you so much for letting me uh you know for saying that i like oh i always don't like it when people are on their phones around me blah 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 yeah um, i think though there's something to be said though about the gym setting versus the oh, yoga i was studio. gonna say something i was gonna and, say about that you didn't let me finish well you literally just had a monologue for like minutes keep going no 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 i'll let you go because i really care about you emotionally and physically <laughs> um, no, I just think that I just think that um, in the gym setting, the yoga etiquette is not as well known. It's not as known. Yeah. So yeah, you so, could you could pick up on that. Yeah, I would just like literally at a gym setting like that, I would be like, hey, I know this is like not a yoga studio, but like we're trying to incorporate more mindfulness into just the gym in general. And like I just think it would be it's really healthy for you. And for everyone in the class, just not be on your phones. Like, give yourself this time. You deserve this time to focus mm -hmm. on yourself. So put the phones away. It's going to be beneficial. You're going to survive. And we're going to have a good time. Like, you can keep it really lighthearted. Exactly. Like, hey, you probably, you know, just say it in a way that's just, like, very direct and very, like, nonchalant. Yeah. I've seen some studios even post signs outside the room, like, phones on silent or no phones, which I think is another way to reinforce that. So it's not mm -hmm. just the teacher left to the teacher having to be like authoritative. Yeah. So it's like, okay, policy. So I would recommend yeah. that like now you're entering like a quiet zone or the yoga space, like just totally disconnect. So that works. A verbal reminder at the beginning works. And then if they disregard that and are doing it during class, then like go over to them during class, whisper pretty gently in their ear, like, hey, please get off your phone. And I, I wouldn't verbal verbally call them out to embarrass them in front of everyone. No, but, but you also would go up to them. The only, and I've done that, Gianna, I'm not screaming, get off your phone in the front of the room. I go up to them very quietly and say, hey, could you please get off your phone? Yeah. And I, I would think never, ever say, like, I think so they're not going to be embarrassed. You know what I mean? Like that, 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 I don't think that that's wrong. I also want to say that 
there are exceptions. There are doctors. There are people that are like, you know, my son's in the, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. There are emergencies. Like they're Mm -hmm. just the same way where people have to leave class early. They're like, I have to do this. We, I understand that. Exactly. You know, I really understand that. So it's like, I also want people to hear this. It's not like it's like, no, don't do this. There are always exceptions. I've had plenty of, a lot of students that are doctors that are on call. They're like, Mm -hmm. hey, I don't want to have my phone here, but I need, and I may need to, I need it. And I may need to leave early. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Also, and whenever I do have a, sorry, I just am very passionate. Whenever I do have a doctor on call in my class, they always know that it's something that they're like, they know they shouldn't have it, but they have to have it. And so they're like, I'm going to set up in the back of the room and I might not even touch it, but just in case. So it, it's really brought up respectfully. I'm usually made well aware when there's a doctor on call in my class. So, um, if you are a doctor on call and you didn't know to like make your teacher aware, just let us know so that we don't even think twice about that. Cause there are exceptions to the rule, but if you're just like texting your friends or trying to make, you know, plans or whatever, or even working, like you need boundaries with work. You need boundaries with setting up space where you can just tune out all the other stuff in life and actually give yourself the attention and time that you deserve. Gianna, there's just one more thing that I want to add to this, which I think is really, really, really beneficial to yoga students. If you tell the teacher 99.9% of the time, they're going to be very understanding. I appreciate people who come up to me and be like, hey, I thought the class was an hour. It's an hour and 75 minutes or it's an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half. And I, you know, I can't stay for the last 15 minutes. I just wanted to let you know. Of course, just set up in the back room and leave before Shavasana. It's like like if just communicating with your teacher and letting them know mm-hmm. why you may have to leave early or what, you know, like, hey, I'm coming tomorrow. I'm going to be a little late. This is why. Like, that's totally understandable. Yeah. You know, like we're, I think just like having, and there's so 95% of people are so respectful and so lovely and like Mm -hmm. come up and they they like, they, they're very communicative of like what's going on, why they leave early. I never care if that's the case ever, Same. ever. You can like, if students come take my class, I'm like, that's totally fine because then I can tell them sit up in the back of the room and leave before Shavasana. No big Mm -hmm. deal. Yeah. I used to have some nurses take my 6am class of that, you know, their shift starts at like seven. So they need to be there. And so they used to tell me like, obviously they needed to leave early. And luckily this place was like literally like a block from the hospital, but they were like, can you just give me a 10 minute heads up? Cause we didn't keep a, a clock in the room and we didn't, uh, you know, they didn't bring their phones or anything. They were being respectful of that. And I was, it was always my pleasure just to go over to them. They were always set up in the back, these two friends. And I would just be like, okay, there's it's 10 two. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. And they would just like slowly, you know, exit. Also those people really need class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're working. Sorry. If you hear my dog, everyone, he's really sassy right now. Um, it, you know, those, those people really need it. So I, Gianna and I with the dogs, just so everyone knows, we are always trying to get them to be. Yeah, we need, we need a podcasting studio, but this was a really good question. Don't even get us started on the iWatch, but similar category. If you are distracted by like text popping up on your watch, you probably shouldn't be wearing your watch. Um, but we could get into that another time. 
So thank you everybody who submitted a question. We really enjoyed, you know, interacting with you and answering those. And we hope that it provided some insight for you listening. And we look forward to getting more questions in and doing these monthly little bonus episodes. Yes, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to us. And I would just like to sing one song. Okay. Um, which is a song that I actually wrote. Wow. An about, original. Yes, yeah, this is original. Um, I wrote this last night at the piano. Um, <laughs> and, and is it about our Nicaragua about, retreat? Yes, it actually is. Okay. It goes like this. <laughs> I can't believe I have to do this in public. Nicaragua, Nicaragua, it's half sold out. Nicaragua, Nicaragua, are you coming about? Nicaragua, Nicaragua, February 25th to March 2nd. Nicaragua, Nick Fourth. Nicaragua, Nicaragua, be there, be square. Nicaragua, Nicaragua. With okay, now let's hear you your best Spanish. Hola, mi amo bracha, me gusta dar Corelli y practicar deportes. Yo tengo una hermana y una hermano. Se llamo Anne He Hyun. Mi madre es muy bonita. Uh, so <laughs> I took Spanish one and I had to memorize this monologue and that's it. And that's like literally, I even though I uh, took up to Spanish five because my, my mom used to like put me in honors classes that I totally wasn't prepared for. Like she'd like, you have to take, you have to take Spanish five. And I'd be like, mom, I'm going to have to cheat because I don't know what is going on. <laughs> also, how do you just choose to put your, you someone could, you could, in like, advance? You could just, like, why you could wouldn't just, like, you have to qualify? You'd have to, well, Gianna. Because it's it's like a town in Rhode Island where like we came I can't like it I whatever well, that's I don't know I I had to you're like, you're like, when for... I have to qualify <laughs> okay everyone like if you're my, still listening yeah, bless you um, bye gotta go bye <laughs> we love you thank you for supporting our podcast be yourself. <laughs>